Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Our hosts are Brett Powell, Heather Kim, Jason Jensen, Eric Chow, and Amber Zolk. Today, we're actually going to be talking to you, Brett. Um, Brett is the Archbishop's Delegate for Ministries and Development here in Vancouver. And more than that, Brett comes with 25 years of ministry experiencing using the tools of Alpha uh, and Discovery. Mm. And we're going to be talking about when to use which one and why. And before we get going on that, Brett, as we've asked all our other guests so far, Uh we want to hear a story about hopefully the early days or, or maybe even the later days of when you've tried to be mission-oriented or you've tried to share Jesus with others and mm. it's gone totally sideways. <laughs> Actually, just as you asked that now, I thought of two stories. I'll tell one because it's kind of funny. Uh, this was when I was still a missionary with CCO and I was on campus and I was meeting a student for the first time who was interested in joining a faith study. So I met him sort of in the lower levels of this student union building and then we decided to walk up to this other area for a more open conversation, this kind of thing. And as we're walking up the stairs, I totally biff. And I I don't just trip. Like, I fall, and I actually clip my mouth <laughs> and start bleeding. <laughs> and this is like 15 seconds after meeting this guy. You know, you try to make a good impression, all this kind of stuff. And here's this quote-unquote missionary, and he's, he can't even get up the stairs. Like, how am I supposed to entrust anything important to this guy who can't get up the stairs? You're like, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus, but I can't stop bleeding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and did you just me. kind of try to push through it and be like... Oh, oh I did. I had to. Oh. I went to the washroom and kind of cleaned it up and that. Anyways, he actually took a face study. It was all good. Ended up okay, but it was funny. It's just, it came to mind as you said that. But where where I kind of blundered early on, to be honest, is... I had my conversion right about the time there was a lot of things happening in the Catholic world with like Marian apparitions and things like this. And for whatever reason, those things just really captivated me. It was something new. It was highly spiritual and, and quite fascinating, really, like what was actually going on. But it was, I didn't know at the time that it was pretty niche within the, within the church and that kind of thing. And so any indication that somebody had about interest in spiritual things or whatever, I would quickly follow up with the latest revelation or the latest book that had come out on Marian apparitions and all this. And it was, it never went well. It never led to a real authentic conversation. It was almost like too soon, too fast. Like you're going too quick. It was the space that I was in and I just kind of assumed everybody might have the same interest. But, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times those efforts killed real conversation, Hmm. you know, and my, my heart was in the right place. I I had desired these things, but it was just a real lack of prudence, frankly. Hmm. And so sharing those things, yeah, it just never, never went well. I want to name some of the titles, but I don't know if I should, because I don't want to hurt the authors of those books. You know, I think everyone who's done that has the titles of their own. So we'll just (laughs) leave it up to the imagination. We don't have to, Mm -hmm. but it was, yeah, I mean, it just never really, it certainly did not honor the relationship first principle or building trust or anything like that. Keeping it natural, normal, you know, somebody may not be practicing their faith and all of a sudden they're hearing about a you know, a bleeding statue somewhere in, you know, Eastern communist country or whatever. It's like, what is this? Mm -hmm. So yeah, a little too, uh, 
I don't know, hyper Catholic spiritual, I think. You know, what's interesting about that is I think a lot of, um, well, there's a certain type of conversion where Mm. you discover this whole world of Christianity. Right. And it, I had the same thing where I actually thought, um, that my evangelical brothers and sisters who I really appreciate, I just thought they were like saints because they had the gospel. And when I saw somebody smoking the first summer after uh, my conversion at Trinity, my whole world kind of fell apart a little bit. And I was like, what? They're not, you know, fully sanctified or, but, uh, I think context as, as an early disciple is something that we need Mm. people around us to kind of, to give, which is why I'm so excited about proclaim Mm. being able to be that space where we can give each other more context of, um, Oh, that thing is out here versus core main yeah. thing. Yeah. So something else I absolutely. hear you saying, Brett, is that it's okay that along the way we are going to make mistakes and we yeah. are going to grow from those mistakes. And yeah. so in a way I hear you saying there's a little bit of permission that although we want to be yeah. trying our best to proclaim the gospel as good as we can, there still is room for error. We're human beings. We're going to make mistakes, but we can learn and grow from those. And I think in your history of ministry, you've had a lot of different things that have mm. shaped you to bring you where you are today. And I was just hoping you could share a little bit about that because I think people have encountered you in different mm. settings, or maybe they just know you from the diocese. Yeah. Um, but you have quite a long history mm. that has brought you to where you are. Yeah. You know, when I think about how to respond to that, the first thing that comes to mind is something I've repeated over and over again, actually to my kids. And that's this idea that Christianity is useful because it's true. You know, it is useful because it's true. This isn't a bunch of myths. This isn't a bunch of doctrines that have been assimilated into a book that we hand out. I mean, it is based on the fundamental truth that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he ministered and walked the earth, that he transformed people's lives, that he healed the sick and raised the dead and proclaimed the gospel and taught parables and all these things. And it makes a difference in our lives. Like, fundamentally why I'm in this is because of what Jesus has done in my life. I mean, to have no sense of direction or purpose, no sense of really understanding what it's all about, to encounter Jesus in such a profound and personal way, and for him to come into my life and forgive me of everything I've ever done and set me up to be in a relationship that I know he will always forgive me. He will never abandon me. He will always walk with me, give me guidance, speak to me. Every time that I think of praying, he's already sitting beside me waiting for that conversational intimacy. Christianity is useful because it's true. Jesus rose from the dead. He sits in heaven triumphant. He is sending out his Holy Spirit. He will empower anybody who opens themselves to them. And I've seen it time and time again in my own life, in the life of my marriage and my family and all over the place across Canada in Europe, Africa, everywhere. Jesus is real. He wants to be in relationship with every single person that we ever lock eyes with. And it's amazing when you just proclaim this message in its utter simplicity, people respond and Jesus never lets them down. He will never abandon anyone. If somebody opens their heart to them, he will always respond. He will always come in. He will heal broken hearts. He will 
you know, he's restore broken marriages. He will come into the, somebody's life who's dealing with depression and give them hope. I mean, it's real. Christianity is useful because it's real. And, um, what I, what I is animating everything for myself is that, you know, this isn't, it's not just intellectual assent. It's not just theories. I mean, this is, it's more real than the nose on my face. As you look like it, it is true. Jesus is real. The gospel is powerful. The Holy Spirit will come. So, yeah, ultimately that's really what's animating everything. I think um, getting us back on mm. today and like the reality of oh, what's useful and not useful, we come to this point in wanting to share Jesus with others and go, yeah, okay, like how, you know? Yeah. And um, why did... Uh, why is proclaim choosing alpha and discovery as tools? Yeah. I mean, there's thousands of tools probably that, yeah. that could have been chosen. So why these two? Yeah, that's a very good question. And a lot of people are asking it, I'm sure. Um, cause it almost seems hyper selective or whatever. Um, there's a couple main reasons why we chose the two tools. The first is each of them individually have a long-term, uh, demonstration of fruitfulness in multiple contexts in the parish, in the home. I mean, parish, Catholic parishes started uh, bringing Alpha in when Nikki Gumbel came for a conference, and that was in like the year 2000, 2001, something like that. And CCO Discovery has been used in various settings, parishes, individual homes, and all that for a number of years as well. So there's just a demonstrated fruitfulness. So if you just look at it very pragmatically, what's working? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, these tools. But there's another element to it, and this is just basic organizational development is that, you know, there is a thousand different things that people could use and they have used them and that's great. And God bless them, you know, um, but to do it well as a movement in terms of supporting the people that are using these tools by providing training and accompaniment as they learn to use the tools themselves, we had to narrow the focus and we're narrowing the focus to lead to deeper and more meaningful impact really is what it is. We, we simply couldn't sustain the training component alone, if we had, you know, five, six, 10 different tools that we were kind of promoting and encouraging. So there's a very pragmatic element of it as well. But fundamentally, these are two incredible tools for proclaiming the basic gospel message, which is the message that people need to hear. And maybe we got to say something about that specifically, because there's no shortage of content, if you will, that's catechetical or theological, and that's all good, beneficial, but there's not as many that are really focused on the kerygma, the basic proclamation of the gospel. And that's where most people are at. That's the message that most people actually really need to hear. And so we had to have an emphasis on those tools that were really accomplishing those, uh, reaching out with uh, the basic gospel message. How do you help people move beyond uh, the experience? Maybe they go to something like that, Alpha or Discovery, mm -hmm. and they're hearing the basic gospel message. And they might think, yeah, yeah. I've heard this before. Yeah. I know this. Yeah. You know, how do you help move them beyond that initial yeah. like dismissiveness in a way right. to really engaging in what is going on? Because in my experience, it's the most simple things, the most yeah. basic things that are the hardest to integrate, that are the hardest to actually understand, keep a hold of and not be distracted by everything else going on in our day to day life. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind with that, Heather, is certainly the power of prayer that, you know, this is not we can't approach evangelization like an equation. 
these people need to hear this message. Therefore, I deliver this message. They will be converted. I mean, the Holy Spirit really is a principal agent of evangelization. And we really, as evangelizers, need to make intercession our primary work and really pray that these messages would be like the good seed or falling into good soil because there can be a dismissive nature of, you know, when you're talking about things, particularly for Catholics, because you hear about these messages all the time. But then the question is, have they really impacted your life? And for example, in one of the, the questions that is asked in Discovery or asked in different contexts that I've heard it, is Peter Kreeft, who is the professor of, uh, or former professor, he's retired now, of philosophy at Boston College. And he asked this question literally of thousands of, of students that went through his, his classes. And the question was very simple. If you were to die tonight and God was to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? You know, and it could be that somebody who hears these messages and kind of dismiss them right away, they might respond to that question almost with a spiritual resume. You know, it's like, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and it, therefore I deserve to go to heaven kind of thing, without even mentioning the name Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And that's the crux of the matter. It is, who is Jesus Christ for you? And when I get to the heart of what it's all about, that's what it is, because an intentional disciple, someone who's really met the Lord in a in a way that is meaningful and personal, and he's received Jesus Christ into his heart, his or her heart, he would respond to that question of how do I get to heaven? And the first thing on his lips would be Jesus' name. Because he's my savior, and without him, I have nothing. So that is what has to happen. It's that core message of Jesus as a person, as savior, needs to be communicated and prayed into people to find you know, a real place in their heart. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's such a simple message. It's like, yeah, I get it. But, uh, yeah, intercessory prayer is is something that's just absolutely critical in this whole thing. Yeah. And just to iterate, we have lots of amazing content that Mm -hmm. will deepen and enrich people's lives. And I think, but just... Alpha and Discovery are like the starting point on that journey. Sure. And there's not a lot of starting point material out there. So um, as I kind of start there and I say, okay, well, which one do I use? Right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm developing an impact list. I know I'm trying to say, you know, Lord, what relationships? And we have an episode Mm -hmm. um, with Amber on that topic. Um, But now I know these are the people like, how do I say... What should I do? Should I do alpha? Should I do discovery? Should I try to do both? Like, yeah. what's what's the game plan here? Exactly. And again, that's another good question. Everybody's going to be wrestling with it. And uh, I guess in order to answer that question, I would back up a little bit. And I would want to uh, encourage people to understand that like any new thing that they're endeavoring to do, there's kind of a continuum of maturity. Like you will, you will grow in your confidence and even ability in a human level to evangelize the more you do it. And when I say evangelize in that way, I'm, I'm speaking specifically about the the witness of word, that this is not, I'm not talking about witness of life, I'm not talking about your contagious example and your virtue and all that that is drawing people to you. That's all very important. But when people actually start communicating, entering into spiritual conversations, there is a growing process of maturity in that. And I would basically put them into three phases. And the first phase 
when somebody's really getting into conversational, you know, spiritual conversations, it's very focused on themselves. So as they're entering in these conversations, they may be thinking, what is this person going to think about me? What am I going to say? How will I handle this conversation? And uh, that's normal. You know, when you're, when you're setting out to do something new, like let's say you've been asked to public speak for the first time, of course you're going to go through those things. Like it just, that's a normal thing. So putting people at ease, if you're about to enter into a new expression of evangelization, a new way of witnessing with words, you're going to think that, and that's totally fine. That's kind of the first phase. The second phase would be that person that focuses almost exclusively on the message. It's like there is this message, whether it's the kerygma or something else, and people need to hear it. And come hell or high water, I'm going to proclaim this message. That was kind of my example with the Marian, you know, right. all the apparitions and all that. It's like people need to know. you got to know this. So it's very focused on the message and not too much on yourself, but it's on the content of what is being said. And then the third phase, which is the phase that all of us hopefully will kind of mature into and get comfortable into. And this is really the phase, obviously, that Jesus lived and you study his life in the, in the pages of the gospel. And it's basically that place of being entirely focused on the other person. You get captivated by their story, their experience, listening to them, loving them. You're not focused on a message or yourself. You're focused almost exclusively on them and them knowing that in you, they have a friend. Mm -hmm. They have somebody that you don't want anything from them. You don't expect anything of them. You're just delighted in having friendship with them. And you don't make as a requisite to friendship anything. Like there's no conditions here. It is just entirely focused on the other person. So when Jesus engaged with the Samaritan woman or he engaged with Matthew, the tax collector, whatever, that's what we're seeing. It's just totally focused on the other person and what they need. And so when you talk about what tool do we use, it sort of fits into that category, the third phase of witnessing, because each of the tools, I think, offers something different and will benefit a different audience, if you will. So when you look at them, Alpha as a tool is an incredible medium for somebody who really has little experience in, in the faith, you know, whether it's Christian faith or Catholic faith or any faith altogether, it put forward, puts forward an incredibly contagious experience of Christianity because the environment that is set is very hospitable and friendly and open. Um, the messages are, are deep and profound. Like even us who have been in this for decades can glean incredible wisdom from them. But the way that they come across is really meeting people where they're at. Very Appro basic, if you will. They're approachable. They're very ways. approachable. Yeah. And there's so much metaphor. And even just in the, the attractiveness of the videos themselves. I mean, they're, they're very well done, compelling. And so for somebody who is, you know, completely unbiased, Alpha is an incredible tool to introduce them into the Christian faith. But what I've found is that for people who perhaps have been practicing or somewhat engaged in their Catholic faith, their Christian faith, but we know have not really made that drop the net decision in the language of Sherry Waddell to, to accept Christ personally as Savior. Um, Alpha can almost be a little off-putting because the language is so familiar, they can get dismissive. As you were talking mm. earlier, Heather, it's like, well, I know this. Mm. you know, And their journey is, if I know it, it's not meaningful to me because I already know it. And so they can kind of dismiss that. It's for someone else. 
for someone else. So yeah. This is so good for yeah. everybody that's right. here. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad it's like that all these those people sermons are here. I hear on Sundays. It's like, yeah. oh, I really want, you know, <laughs> you do that too. So to <laughs> exactly. Whereas something like discovery kind of has that person almost in mind. Like discovery is an incredible tool for people who are familiar with the faith because it really helps accompany them to that incredible place where they have to make a decision. Like, I will choose Jesus because the gospel has so, been so clearly articulated to me and it's done in a way that recognizes for people that the one thing that is missing here is my personal decision to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. Mm. And that's what it really is, you know, really powerfully does as a tool is, is it takes people who have a lot of familiarity but have not yet made that decision to that place where they know it's it's really the missing link. It is the thing that is surfacing. It's so convincing in its content, if we will, that you know you you literally get to a place in the discovery study where you either choose for, or you just walk away because you're not ready to make that commitment or whatever. So, so when you when I'm talking about the phases, yep. it's getting to that third phase where you really look at where the people are at. It's from that place that you perfectly discern what is the best tool for the people given their experience. And as you develop your impact list, which we referenced with Amber, like you might even choose not to invite someone or to invite a particular group because they're all sort of in that same space and they'll all benefit from Alpha or they'll all benefit from, from Discovery. So it's really a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and that's another thing that we have to say. I mean, we talk about Holy Spirit being the principal agent of evangelization, this just come to mind. When, when the scripture talks about bearing fruit, there's a very specific meaning to that. And it means to support the work already in progress. So because you've decided to put somebody on an impact list, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now the Holy Spirit's starting to act in their life. He's been acting in their life from the very beginning, from the moment they were conceived in their mother's womb with the heartbeat coming, you know, boom, boom. God the Father is saying, I love you. Boom, boom. You are my delight. Boom, boom. And God has been working on that person forever. So when we come into the, to their life and we recognize the prophetic dimension of that friendship, we're just cooperating with what the Spirit's already doing. So as we pray about that and think about that, what is the tool that they need that will help them take that next step? That's the level of discernment that we really have to have if we're going to choose the right tool. So hopefully that provides a little bit of understanding. Yeah. Let me, let me ask a, sure. a question. Are there scenarios where neither of those tools are the right thing for the person at the time? Right. That's a great question. I mean, I would say probably, and so be it. But the question that I would have is, you know, what, how will the other tools maybe that you consider really proclaiming the kerygma, the basic gospel? Because Pope Benedict was very clear. Christianity begins with an encounter with Jesus Christ. And those two tools are just so efficacious in their way of doing that, really bringing people to a place of encounter. So that to me is the biggest question is what tool can I put and use and cooperate with so that people can encounter Jesus in a personal way and become his disciple? Mm. You know, it's not an intellectual ascent or a head trip. Yeah, I think it's great that we talk about that a little bit more because I yeah. think that's where most of us like to stay. 
Right. And we somehow believe that if we understand it or we've heard it as many times or we agree with it, yeah. then that means we are following Jesus. And for anyone who has been following Jesus for longer than five minutes, you yeah. realize this is an ongoing journey of commitment. Like you yes. didn't talk about just like, oh, I, I like Jesus. I like his teaching. So he's a pretty good guy. You yeah. said you talked about submitting under the lordship of Jesus, mm. that he is your Lord. So what yeah. is the difference between, yeah. you know, hearing a message and going, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And then really coming under the lordship of Jesus. Yeah. Because I think for us personally, you know, you know, if we're leaders or whether these are people attending, we're all sort of in the same boat, aren't yeah. we? Like we're still on the journey. We're never yeah. above or too far beyond yeah. uh, this particular message. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it... Inviting people into relationship with Jesus is, we know the greatest thing you can do, but there's a level of intimacy involved that's almost hard to talk about <laughs> as, you, as you say that. Like we were chatting with Vernon before we recorded his podcast. I don't think this got on the podcast, but he shared that story of Jean Vanier. Yeah, I didn't make it on. So yeah, but do you remember the story? So yeah, Vernon yeah. was telling us that Jean Vanier was once asked, essentially like, how do you pray? Like what is prayer like for Jean Vanier? Do you, know, do you know this story? Oh, go ahead. Do you know how he responded? He said, um, basically he said, that is almost like asking a husband what it's like to make love with your wife. Mm. Like it's that level of mm. intimacy. And so, yeah, there is a, there are doctrines that we do ascribe intellectual assent. And then there's an experience of Jesus that almost goes beyond words. Like I share with you guys, I was listening to the um, that uh, worship song, I Raise a Hallelujah, and they told the story of it. And the reason why that story moved me to tears yesterday in the kitchen as I'm washing dishes, that's how it happened. I was brought, literally brought to tears as I'm listening to it. It's because the way he told the story has been my story. Mm. Like I have stood in front of mountains of unbelief and I've recalled how God has acted in my life. And, and literally brought me or my family or somebody I love out of the depths of whatever. And in those times, prayer is, is, it's of the heart. Like I'm not even saying the words, but the Lord hears my heart. Mm. You know what I mean? So yes, there's doctrines that we ascribe to and there's intellectual assent and theology that backs it up. But Jesus is a person with a personality and he, and he, enters in in that way if we let him so yeah this is uh this is not just a head trip this is an encounter with a living god who is so proximate and available to us if we really knew it would just blow us away creator of the universe right here in front of me all the time available to me accompaniment yeah i don't know how else to ascend how how would you describe it. Let me turn the question back to you guys. Cause I think it's so profound. Like we're talking about there's, you know, the head trip or intellectual scent, but really we're, we're talking about some inviting people into something much deeper than, mm -hmm. than just that. You know, um, at the time it was father Mark Hageman was my pastor. Now oh, he's yeah. Bishop Mark Hageman. Yeah. Um, Love him. And yeah. very intellectual man. You know, he's a mm. sharp guy and I used to come, you know, right after around my conversion and I was going to Trinity Western at the time. So I, I really wanted to have a grasp of like apologetics and I, you know, that was the 
yeah. intellectual pursuit. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. But at some point he saw my heart. I don't even know if he'd remember this conversation. He said, you know, apologetics is a good, but I think he said hermeneutics is, um, is where the, this is not what he said, but where the real magic happens. Yeah. Um, and he just saw into my heart in that way at that time, we'd had lots and lots of conversations and I think I didn't quite grasp it Mm. right in that moment until there was this deepening that happened, I don't Mm. know, a few months or years later of understanding like, Oh, you know what? I can actually deeply sit in relationship, you know, when my prayer deepened a little bit and, um, the apologetics was like, oh yeah, it's great, but it wasn't yeah. where the magic happened. You yeah. know, I don't, I mean, it's kind of, there's yeah. personal, like, I don't really know how to describe it. You know, yeah. it's this John Vanier thing is, yeah. um, but I would agree with you. It's so easy for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of other guys and women to read solid theological books, um, for the head knowledge. And I think that is wonderful and it should be a spiritual practice, but there's something else that if we're missing it, it's, yeah. they don't mean as much. And I think a big part of it too is really living kingdom principles, mm-hmm. which are the opposite of the world. Like when Jesus says things like this all the time, you know, if you lose your life, then you find it. Mm-hmm. It's that type of thing that I think takes you beyond just, I have assented to some teachings in the church or all the teachings of the church too. No, I, I am giving up my life for Jesus. Like I'm submitting my will, my way, um, to his, Mm. and and I'm going to trust. And I think trust is a huge difference that, that comes into play between like an intellectual and an actual living in this relationship. It's a trust that because he is good, because he knows what is going to fulfill every desire of our heart. Actually, he is the desire, uh, the fulfillment of every desire that we have trusting that he actually is who he says he is, you know, that his personality is good, that he's kind, that he's amazing, that he's not boring, that he's not going to let us down, that he's not going to abandon us. And, you know, you were talking about he's faithful at every moment. Um, When we trust that, when we can give an assent to the trust, then I think it changes things from this intellectual, um, just like agreement into a covenant relationship, you know where then you can become one because Mm -hmm. you're not holding anything back anymore. It's a vulnerability, which Jesus always comes to us in complete vulnerability. I mean, that's the cross. Um, But how do we come in vulnerability to him to receive him in the same way? And just as you were talking before, Brett, I need to say like you were just sharing your heart like of, how you relate to Jesus and you're tearing up. It's beautiful. You know, that's what's captivating. It's not so much the program. The program is just the vehicle maybe to help people get there. But if we are able to share just like you did from very personal experience and encounter with Jesus, that is going to be the most compelling witness that we can give to anybody because we're telling them about something that we know that we've lived, that we've experienced. Uh, Nobody can mess with that, you know? Um, but they can be compelled by it. They can be inspired by it. And that probably is the best invitation that they can have. Absolutely. I'm thinking of John and Peter when they were um, forbidden from speaking the name of Jesus. And they said, look, like whether it's right in the sight of God or not, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard, what we've experienced, you know, 
And that's here. I'm glad you brought that up, Heather, because yeah, like even knowing that it's the proclamation of the charisma, the basic gospel, but it's it, the there's a lot of power in living that out because it's real, right? Like a lot of us think, for example, that spiritual maturity kind of means growing in knowledge of, and almost in a certain sense, growing in almost like less need of God's grace in your life. Cause you kind of mature and you, you overcome sin and all this. And I'm, I'm here to tell you <laughs> if I have grown, it is in, understanding my absolute dependence on grace and Jesus to show up. And it is not about more things that you know, but it's the power of what you know that is assimilated in your life. That's where the real, I think, maturity is. And I think that's where, what is, what is attractive? I think the, the other part is, you know, this episode's all about alpha and discovery mm. and, uh, it might seem like we're going on these tangents, but they're not tangents at all because they are the tool versus the actual thing. Yeah. And um, when we were talking about, you know, are there scenarios where alpha or discovery, I think for me and where I'm kind of approaching this is, yeah, I want to learn these tools mm-hmm. way, way better because I guarantee you the more I understand these, I can grow in my human ability yeah. to bring them into the conversations that the Holy Spirit will open doors up so that mm. I can actually have, you know, does it have to be like every Wednesday we're doing, you know, discovery or setting up these alpha things? Yeah. I think they're massively, and I don't want to, you know, chicken out of those because I feel like that's, that's important. But I think that the more I do that, the more I'm going to be able to do it in other contexts mm. and... I think as a life goal, getting really great mm. at listening to the spirit and being waiting and seeing the moments where he's opening up the door for the, the core essence of the gospel to come in yeah. is, is a, is a lifelong pursuit that I hope everyone yeah. jumps on. Yeah. And when you're proclaiming it and sharing it, you're, you're not leading people to understand something or whatever it, literally is to encounter Jesus as a person. Mm-hmm. Even John the Baptist provided a great example for us because we know in his ministry, there was a time where people were no longer following him, but choosing to follow Jesus. And what was his response? Yeah. He must increase and I must decrease. Like this is not about gathering people to tell them what you know, man, that's so not what this is. It is facilitating conversation by God's grace that they will actually come to know Jesus. Mm. And he will come in. He will make do in his promise to visit the heart that opens to him. So, yeah. The other thing, um, <clears throat> as you were talking earlier, is this total sharing of myself. For better or for worse, uh, our public, societal, cultural conversation about truth has dissolved. You know? the this idea that you know and i think we're kind of seeing that in pockets but that's not the point i'm trying to make the real thing is we live in a time where personal experience is the one thing that you can actually share with others and i know that's not how it's supposed to be that's not how society's supposed to be and all that kind of stuff but in relationship we have permission to share what's what's really true for us and i think that 
as you're sharing, I think these are the things that actually move us is um, I can see in your eyes that Jesus means something. It's not just this intellectual transfer. I can see in your eyes. I can see in like um, people's eyes and they can see in ours. And I think people do forget if you've been around uh, the church for a long enough time, you kind of forget what life without Jesus is like. Um, and I think part of our fallen condition is like, it dulls like, Oh Jesus, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we just get so used to him. Um, I wish it wasn't that way, but, but when we come to a point where somebody sees in our eyes, something that they do not have around them at all is unbelievably attractive. I think that's the heart of this, this whole thing is to share that that they do not have in their lives with them. And it's a person. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think.